It's the DaddyCast Rewind, episode 10, recorded on November the 4th, 2020. Who knows how to fix it? Who can do it? It's Daddy! Who's got his own podcast? Who's talking? It's Daddy! My dad, your dad, everybody's Daddy! We got questions, we got stories, like everybody is Daddy! If you're a daddy like PD Love or just wanting to learn more about the crazy world of fatherhood, you're in good company here at the Daddy Cast. Hey everybody, welcome to the DaddyCast Rewind. Hope you are doing well, and I know I'm a couple days late getting the show out. Uh, tried to do something over the weekend, lost, uh, well, just ran out of time. Uh, even though we got an extra hour this week with uh, the clocks falling back, but still did not get a show out. And uh, then yesterday was election day, uh, kind of busy watching things last night. So here we go, a couple days late, but uh, not too bad. We're going to go back to the episode 10 of the Daddy Cast, and that episode didn't have a whole lot to clip from. Uh, basically, with that episode, I, I talked a little bit about us kind of recovering from our illnesses. As you, I mentioned last show, I was had a pretty bad cold. The boys were recovering from some ear infections and uh, being forced to take medicine in, in very nefarious ways. But uh, yeah, so we were finally recovered from that. And I had a comment on my hotline at the time from Pauly Podcaster. Pauly Podcaster was out in Vegas, and he was a podcaster out there. Like I mentioned before, back then, there weren't as many podcasts out. There weren't as many podcasters. We all kind of hung together and helped each other out. But Pauly's message was that he was about to become an uncle, and also he and his girlfriend had qualified for adoption, and they were hoping to adopt. So he was uh, looking for some advice around adoption and just very excited about the whole process. So in the show, in episode 10, back uh, in early April of 2006, I went through this long uh, discussion, uh, explanation of how we knew a couple different families that had adopted and how they are uh, connected to us or we are connected to them. It was extremely confusing. Even listening to it, I, I think I knew who I was talking about, but I'm not exactly sure. But rather than go through all that again, it dawned on me that adoption is something I hadn't really thought about during the the pandemic. You know, what is uh, what is COVID doing, uh, and the things that are being shut down, services that are are being shifted to home. How is that all affecting the the adoption process? And so I did a little digging, and uh, as with pretty much anything, when you go searching on the internet, you can find some very disparate information. Um, I'll, I'll share with what I found. Found I will try to put these links in the show notes, and you can kind of follow along there. But the the first article that I found was actually back in April first uh, so of twenty twenty. So this is back when things were were really starting to to take hold, and we were starting to realize what we were dealing with. Um, so this article is out of the New York Times. And it talks about surrogacy, talks about how global travel restrictions have left surrogacy agencies 
in the United States scrambling for exemptions for their international clients, particularly for those whose surrogates are scheduled to give birth in the next month or two. So I imagine that's pretty scary, uh, especially uh, I understand the process for adoption and surrogacy is, is extremely intense. And so they've gone through this, couples, families have gone through this and now are unable to to be able to get to the family that is, is uh, giving them a baby for adoption. Um, this article goes on that the different agencies had legal teams. They were trying to find ways to get around some of the restrictions to be able to get to places. Uh, there was a, a couple that was dealing with a Chinese couple and because the China America travel ban, uh, they had to meet them in Cambodia and uh, that's where they met them. They were in isolation there for two weeks and then met the, the couples met and were able to proceed with the, the surrogacy. Really interesting times and just, you know, you, you just try to think about how people are, are, are able to adapt and obviously some, some thought had to go into how to arrange all this and the additional cost and paperwork and, and everything. Uh, it's, it's great to see that a lot of these agencies that were helping with adoption and surrogacy uh, were willing to kind of go the extra mile, put in the extra work to make all this work out for the, the families. But again, this is back in April. This is when it was first starting. So the, everything was new to them. There wasn't anything established. Uh, by now you see different areas and places that have established some policy or some type of regular procedure around things based on the pandemic and, and what they've been dealing with for the last several months. But this was, this was, you know, day one, <laughs> this was early on. Um, so they were, they were doing everything, everything they could to cope. Um, they were kind of coming up with a crisis for foster care. Uh, the, you know, obviously you can't just move people to a foster home when everything's locked down. People aren't supposed to be leaving, you know, home inspections, uh, the, the people who would go and, and check in on the foster parents, uh, the vetting process, all that stuff was impacted. It wasn't really set up and prepared for the lockdown. Um, it says, as a result, a number of foster homes already all too scarce in Washington state before the crisis hit will remain static for the state's over 10,000 foster care children until the pandemic subsides and businesses return to normal. So, you know, they're, 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 how they coped with this, I think is kind of amazing and they, they deserve some appreciation for making it work. But, uh, yeah, I mean, how do you, how do you do, how do you do foster care when you have to stay at home if they're not already in the home? Um, it goes on to talk about adoptions a little more. It says with courts and other government offices closed in many States, parents who had hoped to finalize adoption within the next couple of months are also now navigating a drastically changed landscape particularly for parents completing adoption abroad. So again, everything was disrupted. Uh, systems you know, may have been up, but there was nobody there to use them. Uh, people stuck in the very last steps of those processes or were had to figure out how to make it work. So, um, and especially anybody dealing with China at the time, you know, they, they had a, a really tough road to, to get through. So let's uh, flash forward a little bit. And what is interesting is I found these two articles, both in around June, that somewhat contradict each other. Um, the first is from parents.com, and this was June 11th. Um, it says how COVID-19 has impacted the adoption community. 
And one of the things that I found extremely interesting about this is, again, this is in June. So this is a, a few months in from the article we just talked about. And it says, even though it feels like a lot of the world has been put on hold in the last few months, babies are still, of course, being born and families continue to form to, to be formed via foster care and private adoption too. This basically talks about how adoptions kind of increased. Uh, this woman, her name is Rebecca Greenspan. She is with the RG uh, Adoption Consulting in Everston, Evanston, Illinois. Uh, she says that they saw an increase in the number of pregnant women, hope, pregnant women hoping to make an adoption plan in March and April, although that since has leveled off a bit. So uh, obviously the, the crisis and the pandemic had impacted that a little bit. Um, but you know, everything started to level off in May. But basically she says that people started to adjust to the adoption process, that you know, more was available to them online, and uh, people had, because they were at home, and they had a little more time to, to go through the process. So uh, one of her quotes is that we've seen record numbers of families beginning the adoption process as people likely have more time to sit down together and embark on a journey that begins with mounds of paperwork. So because people were locked down, because they maybe didn't have as much to do, or at least didn't have the travel time, uh, had devoted that more to getting into this process. So that's, that's pretty cool. That's a good use of the time. And, and, you know, it's probably like anybody, you know, during COVID, I think people really started tackling some of their long-term to-do lists. And, and it was, you know, do you have year people that, you know, learn a language or do different things, but hey, you know, finally get around to filling out the adoption paperwork that you've been meaning to do for a while. I imagine it's not like that. They don't just decide, oh yeah, let's let's get back to that on our to-do list, adopt a child. Um, she also goes on, well, it also goes on this article in parents.com, talks about how policies kind of change. They, they tried to be a little more flexible. Um, they tried to uh, make things work for everybody says many adoptive families travel to the birth of their child, oftentimes crossing state lines to get there. With travel restrictions in place, this has become more challenging in re- recent months. Uh, Greenspan uh, says some adoptive parents are choosing to take two or three day road trips instead of flying to get to the hospital in time. Some are even renting fully equipped RVs to avoid staying in hotels and having to eat out in restaurants. So yeah, you, you go from point A to point B, you're traveling a couple states, you don't know necessarily... Uh, what's going to be open by the time you get there, even if you know what the restrictions are today. Uh, back then, back in June, it could be closed by the time you get there. So they had to kind of adapt and cope and and build out uh, ways to, to get from point A to point B if they wanted to be there. Um, it also talks about video calls. Uh, it says, uh, he has a quote here, a video call might not be exactly how I envisioned our journey to becoming a family, coming to a close, but I'm thankful adoption isn't stopping due to the pandemic, just pivoting instead. So again, people getting creative, people using the technology, the, the whatever means necessary to, to try to make things work. And it goes on to talk a little more about some of the restrictions and finalizing paperwork and interviews over zoom, as opposed to in person judges declaring things, uh, you know, electronically. So definitely everybody was trying to do their best to make it work. Now, in contrast to that a little bit, and again, that article was on June 11th, later that month, uh, and this is from the Oprah magazine, uh, Oprah mag, uh, June the 29th. So a couple weeks later, uh, this really talks about how 
things aren't as, as aren't increasing. <laughs> it says um, just over 110,000 adoptions take place in the United States each year, according to the National Council for Adoption, a nonprofit based, uh, nonprofit based just out of Washington, D.C. That's around 9,000 per month, which means we'd be looking at almost 27,000 since the COVID crisis prompted lawmakers across the country to announce lockdowns starting in March. This is the line that kind of caught my eye. In fact, while the actual number is unknown at this stage, it is certainly much lower than in previous years. That's an assumption. Um, yeah, the actual, you don't know a number, so you can assume that it is going to be much lower. And it's probably a safe assumption, but you don't want to state it as fact. <laughs> it is certainly much lower. That's, it's not certainly much lower because you don't know what the number is. But anyway, I pick on that fact. Um, so this, you know, goes on to talk about kind of the decrease because of the lockdown and, um, how the number of adoptions, again, we assume went down during that time. I have to go back and try to find some real stats that we could look at, but it, it also talks about using zoom and, and some of the different technologies to, to communicate and to continue the process to, to set up the guardianships, um, in different ways that it has added stress. And obviously, you know, again, it's already a stressful enough time to add to it, to the inability to, to get out and talk to people, to be able to attend things in person, uh, to, to be able to go and see the, the families and do visits. All that stuff just adds an, an amazing amount of pressure on this that, uh, again, kudos to all the people that went through it and were able to be creative in getting through it. Um, this also, uh, this article in, in Oprah mag also talks about, um, international travel bans and how those, you know, really resulted in some heartbreaking, uh, incidents where people could not get to the, the children that they were trying to adopt or get them back to the U S or whatever country they were coming from and going to. So unfortunate, definitely. Um, yeah, there, there's definitely, uh, some bad situations in there, some things that, um, you really, you know, your heart goes out for it. So people have gone through a lot of work to get that to happen. Lastly, in the articles is a, a more local one. This is from Augusta County, Virginia, and it's from October 1st of 2020. So this is much more recent, but basically talking about how um, the Augusta County uh, Shenandoah Valley Social Services uh, has been adapting through the pandemic. Very short article. It's uh, actually in one of the TV stations' uh, blogs. But in essence, what they were doing was really focusing on trying to get people to adopt or to foster locally so that they could kind of fulfill their local need for um, foster homes and for adoptions and saw the pandemic as an opportunity to kind of focus locally as opposed to nationally, internationally, that kind of thing. So just thought it was an interesting twist on that. I mean, that's definitely a, a way to do it, to, to kind of look at a situation and, and see how you can at least help families find uh, a child. And if it's local, then it helps your community out as well. So again, just something I never thought of. I never thought of how adoptions would be impacted by the pandemic. And I'm sure there's hundreds of things I haven't thought of and, and considered how they're impacted. But this one just, uh, again, listening back at the old show and talking about adoption while there wasn't a whole lot in there to, to share, 
uh, it, it definitely made me think about this and thought maybe, well, maybe you'd be interested. So if you have some feedback about that, maybe you have gone through an adoption during this time period, that would be very interesting to hear your story. Send me an email at daddycast at gmail.com. Again, that's daddycast at gmail.com. Um, a couple other things that, uh, were part of that show. Let me pull up my notes here. Um, at the time, and, and I talked about this in the past show as well, we were still struggling with getting the boys to stay at the table, especially my youngest, to stay at the table during dinners. And uh, he would eat fine, but just kind of wanted to roam around in between, you know, <laughs> he'd eat a couple chicken fingers and then roam around, then come back and eat a couple more. So we were really focused on keeping him at the table. And as I mentioned, that's kind of a uh, earmark of our, our family is the eating together. But one thing I did pick out of the the story that I shared during that episode was that he would oftentimes ask if he could be excused. And we, I don't, I'm, I'm sure we did, but I don't remember specifically enforcing them to say, may I be excused? Well, I guess we did. Um, if they wanted to get down, especially get down early uh, from the table, they had to ask if they could be excused. And I think that requiring that kind of um, helped to instill in them uh, some different attributes of, of being more courteous, uh, of you know, being respectful. Uh, I've heard different uh, adults, my mother being one of them, who have said, you know, your boys are always so courteous and they always say thank you and they always, uh, it, it's you know, just well-mannered. And I think it was little things like that. Uh, okay. I mean, I'm, if I remember correctly, we made them say, may I be excused because we thought it might be just enough of a hurdle or an obstacle that they would sit and eat their dinner. <laughs> so it wasn't that we were trying to make them uh, be good, well-mannered young men. It was really more self-serving that maybe they would stay in their seat if they had to say something, but uh, you win either way, I guess. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely something that I think having kids, learn what some of those more courteous and, and, you know, mannerisms are and how to, to use them properly is, is definitely important. So knowing that we, we forced them to say, may I be excused, just kind of struck me as, as interesting back then to, uh, try to keep them at the table, but long-term seem to instill some different attributes in them. So just a, an interesting tidbit from there. Like I said, most of that show was this rambling about friends of ours who had adopted and getting them introduced to a family member of another friend who was considering adoption. And it was, uh, it didn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> so uh, that is about it for this show. Uh, just kind of keeping on track with the 20 minute mark. Um, Again, if you have any comments, let me know. Uh, I'd like to know there's at least somebody out there listening. And uh, you can reach me at daddycast at gmail.com. appreciate you listening, and I hope to get back on track and get these shows out on time. My goal is to release them on Monday nights. I play volleyball on Monday nights, so it makes it hard if I haven't done it ahead of time. And uh, with my Pittsburgh Steelers doing well this year, it's uh, kind of hard not to try to watch football on Sundays. So, those are my excuses. Now, they're not good excuses. They're not even probably worth sharing, but those are my excuses for now. Anywho, I know you're not supposed to say anywho. Anyhow, uh, that is it for this show for episode 10. We are in the double digits and uh, we'll try to keep things going. So thank you very much for listening. Everybody take care. Bye-bye.